In Matthew chapter 9, verse 18 and 19. When you have it, say amen. Okay, let's read it in the name of our Lord Jesus. Now listen to these two verses. While Jesus spoke with these things about these things unto them, behold, there came a certain ruler and worshipped him, saying, My daughter is dead, but come and lay your hands upon her, and she shall live. Now look at this verse 19. And Jesus arose and followed him, and so did his disciples. Very interesting couple of verses there. If you read when you get home the whole chapter, chapter 9 from verse 1 to verse 17, you will see that Jesus is having a conversation with the religious figures of that city, with the Pharisees and the Sadducees, with the religious. And whenever Jesus spoke with the religious, it was never a, it was never a sense of a kind conversation. It was always tense. It was always a tense conversation where the religious would always come to Jesus and ask him questions to oppose what he was doing. They, they, they were never open. Their questions were never open-ended. In other words, I, I really want you to answer this question. Their questions were harsh. They were in spite and, they were, and, and most of the time, they're trying to catch him out. They're trying to catch him out on some loophole with regards to the law. So that's, chapter 9, is, that's the conversation that, that Jesus was having with the, with the Pharisees, with the religious. And in verse 18, something happens that immediately gets Jesus' attention. And he switches. He switches from the religious people. He switches from these Pharisees and these these questions that, are, that were closed, questions that were with, a, with spite, and he immediately goes to where this man's house was because there was a, there was a difference, difference of posture. There was a different approach to Jesus. The religious approached him with questions. The religious appro approached him with a sense of, of pride, but Jairus, this man that we saw here in verse 18, he says that while, while Jesus was speaking to these men, these Pharisees and to the religious, there came a certain ruler, Jairus, and when he came to Jesus, he fell down at his feet and he worshipped him. Jairus. Notice the difference already. He worshipped him. He fell down at his feet and he worshipped him. And it's like this immediately gets Jesus' attention. And Jairus said to Jesus, My daughter is, is dying, she's dead, but come and lay your hands upon her and she shall live. What a powerful declaration. Come and lay your hands on her and she shall live. Notice he's not asking how you're going to lay your hands on her. He's not asking what's going to happen when you lay your hands on her. He's not asking for some theological explanation of what he's going to do. He just has a daughter that's dying. Jesus is a healer. I need him at my house and I'm going to ask him to come and heal my daughter. 
And so he, he throws himself at the feet of Jesus. What, now, I, I don't want you to miss this. While Jesus is having this discussion with the religious, you can just see Jesus getting a little bit ticked off. You can just see Jesus saying, okay, I hope this conversation's over soon because this is going nowhere. And immediately when, when the Jairus threw himself at Jesus' feet, it got Jesus' attention because Jesus and his power thrives with his need. The compassion of Jesus is released when one comes to him with the right posture, with the right attitude. And when this, with, when this man made the petition, look at verse 19. And Jesus arose and followed him and so did his disciples. Now, I want you to picture this scenario. Jesus arose and went immediately with Jairus. Now, think about this, this, this scenario where Jesus left the religious talking among themselves. He got up and he left with Jairus. In his mind, this conversation with the religious is going nowhere. There's a man that has a need. I'm leaving this situation. I'm leaving this scenario. I'm leaving this environment. I'm leaving, I'm leaving this, this, these people, and I'm going to where there is a man that has fallen at my feet, has worshipped me, and has asked me for a favor. I'm going there. I'm going there. There's something about being humble before God. There's something about coming to God with a heart of worship that gets his attention. And it wasn't that Jesus was rude. It was just that this is going nowhere. So it's like I'm talking to Sister Sue and she's asking some questions. That, you know, there's people that ask you questions and they don't even want the answer. There's people that ask you questions trying to get you to fall in some religious loophole. And you spend hours and hours and hours trying to convince them that I want to be convinced. That I want you to tell them the truth because they know the truth. But there's no use coming to God with that kind of an attitude. There's no use coming to God with that kind of a posture. Amen. There's, there's no use trying to play cat and mouse with God, with Jesus, with His Word. Because His power and His anointing his miracles don't flow in that kind of a setting. As so, so he's talking to them. He's having a conversation. And as soon as Jairus came and fell at his feet, Jesus disconnected from them. And he said, there's someone here that's come to me with the right posture, has come to me with the right attitude, and I'm going I'm I'm to see what I can do for him. And the Bible says, he got up, and he went with Jairus. And he left the religious talking among themselves. I want to encourage you this morning, beloved brother and sister, even if you've been a Christian for a long time, to stay away from a religious spirit. To stay away from a spirit of Pharisee, a, a, a spirit that, that I, I think that kind of a spirit puts God off. Our posture before God should be 
that of the ruler of Jairus. That's where his power manifests. Just keep your finger there. I'm going to go to Luke chapter 5, verse 17 quickly. Luke chapter 5, verse 17. But keep your finger back there. Can the church say amen this morning? Hallelujah. Luke chapter 5, verse 17. Look at this. And it came to pass, Luke 5, 17, on a certain day that Jesus was teaching. Who was teaching? Jesus. Can you imagine Jesus teaching, Jesus preaching in your house or preaching in, this, in, a, in an auditorium? He was preaching and he was teaching. Now listen to this. There were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by. So in his gathering, in his church service, there were Pharisees and Sadducees, amen, and doctors of the law sitting by which had come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. Now listen to this. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. You didn't get that. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. To heal who? No, we just read it. Who was in that crowd? Pharisees, doctors of the law, Sadducees. They were sitting in that crowd. Jesus is teaching, and the Bible says, and the power of the Lord, what does it say? Was present to heal them. Who? The Pharisees. The doctors of the law, the Sadducees. See, they were sad, you see. You didn't get that. They were sad. The power of the Lord was present to heal them. But all they could do was question. You can read later on. It says, let's keep reading. And behold, men brought in a bed a man which was taken with a palsy, and they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before Jesus. And when they could not bring find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude they went upon the housetop and let the man down through the tiling which his couch with his couch in the midst before Jesus now I don't want to go into that there but while Jesus is preaching someone opens up a hole in the roof and they bring down a man that was paralyzed and they put him before Jesus in other words faith was activated in that building before that, nothing was happening. Now something's getting ready to happen because a man's willing to do something, having Jesus before him. See, there's no use having a, a Pharisee posture when you're in the presence of the Lord. And so when they do this, verse 20, when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto them, man, your sins are forgiven you. Now let's look at verse 21. Here comes the Pharisees. Here comes the doctors of the law that are in, in, a, in an auditorium where the power of the Lord is there to heal them. My question is, how many of those Pharisees had sicknesses? How many of those doctors of the laws had problems in their marriage? How many of them needed a miracle in their home? And they're in a place where the power of the Lord was present to heal them and all they can do is this. Look at verse 21. 
and the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this which speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? So Jesus has just healed a man that was paralyzed. And all the Pharisees can do is say, who does he think he is forgiving someone's sins? That's not in the, that's not in the law. I never heard that before. And yet the power of the law was present to heal them. But none of them got healed. That's the interesting part. Not one of them got healed because they were in the, pres- they were in the power of the Lord questioning and opposing what Jesus was doing. And beloved, can I say something to you? God does not do accidents. God does not accidentally heal someone. God does not accidentally take someone out of drugs. God does not accidentally heal your marriage. God does not accidentally restore your life. God does not accidentally do things. God does things when we come to Him with an attitude of faith, hallelujah, with an attitude of surrender, with an attitude of, of, I might not understand what you're saying, but I'm willing to bow down and say, God, do whatever you got to do in my life. I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. My life is heading this way. My life is going that way. I feel empty on the inside. And you know what? The power of the Lord is here, and I'm not going to question it anymore. I'm not going to argue with it anymore. I'm not going to go, Daddy and Mommy didn't believe in this. I'm going to say, God, I bow my life your feet touch me in Jesus name touch me at some point in your life you've got to stop arguing with the power of God at some point in your walk with God you've got to stop debating him I mean it's it's a futile thing to debate the God of the universe so the power of the Lord was present to heal them and all they're worried about is you cannot heal that man you cannot forgive his sins So I'll go home with my sickness. I'll go home with my, with my divorce papers on the table. I'll go home with my empty life. I'll go home with no vision. I'll go home with no purpose in life. I'll go home searching and searching and searching. And yet I was in a place where the power of the Lord was present to heal. But all I could do is, that's not my religion. That's not how I was brought up. You better stop that. Because it's you and God. And one day we're going to be before God, one-on-one. And, it's not, and, and, and there's one thing, this, I, I was thinking about this, this week. You know, the, the Bible says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. Psalms 14, 1. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. And the truth is that those that say there is no God in this life, will quickly find out in the afterlife that there is a God. And how foolish it was to think while we were in this life that there was no God. But it will be too late. So if the foolish says in his heart there is no God, which that's a foolish assumption. That's a foolish conclusion. Because you just need to open your eyes 
and have a look at your surrounding, have a look at this world and at least come to a little bit of a conclusion. There is got to be a God. Now, that was bad English, but you get what I mean. There's got to be a God. Amen. I mean, that's how foolish it is to try to fight with God and say there is no God. But yet, you can believe that for your house to be built, there has to be an architect. No one, no, listen, the Big Bang Theory doesn't make sense. Why don't you try it out? Go into your garage today, put a bomb in there, let it explode, and see what happens to the Big Bang in your garage. Nothing good comes out of a Big Bang. So it takes more faith, listen, it takes more faith to believe that than to believe God in the beginning created the heavens and the earth. But see, we, we fight an endless fight. We fight a, a fight that is, we're going to lose. Yeah. And so, beloved, brother, you who, who is a Christian, born again believer, do not debate with people that do not want an answer. Because there are people that are waiting for you to tell them the truth and they're hungry and they're thirsty and they're willing to hear from you. It's like people come up to me and say, uh, they say to me, Pastor, uh, I, I, I've got some questions for you about the tithe. And so I, I always ask, is your question because you want to do it? Or is your question because you're looking for a reason to not do it? And the thing is, you've got to ask the question. I said to someone, do you want to know? The reason you're asking me, because you want it to be 20%, don't you? You're not, you're not happy with the 10%. You want it to be 20%. That's why you're asking me. You want to find out. Is that 20%? He went, no, 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 no. I'll get away from here. He didn't want to hear it. See, at, at some time in our life, we've got to just believe. Notice that the Bible does not say you have to understand God. It says you have to believe in God. So, Your house, who built it? How come your house can be built by a man? But this universe is just like energy. Amen. Even a little child, a little child knows when he reads a kindergarten book. That book didn't just come. Someone wrote it. Someone drew the pictures. We've got to humble ourselves before God. Amen. I don't want to tell you what the word fool is in Hebrew because you'll really get offended with me. I'll tell you. <laughs> Translated, it means stupid. The stupid says in his heart, there is no God. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. There is a God, church. Amen. And when we... And, and for us to sit in his presence or for us to have his Bible in our house and for us to 
to not allow him to do what he wants to do in our lives because of our resistance and our, and our continual questioning is to have pride. The ruler, Jairus, worshipped Jesus. The Pharisees questioned Jesus. There was a woman in the Bible who had, her, the Bible says for, for 18 years, she had a problem with her back. Her back was bent. So she was, she was getting, so she started off like this, and bit by bit, her back was getting bent. She had a condition. And eventually she was like all the way bent over. But every Saturday in the Bible, in the New Testament, they would go to church on Saturday. Every Saturday she would go to church. Amen. Amen. But nothing would happen because it was a religious service. The power of the Lord wasn't present. But on one particular Saturday, she walks into the, into the building, to the church, and Jesus is teaching. So the power of the Lord was present to heal. That, that particular church had a priest, had a pastor. When Jesus healed the woman... He said, woman, you are loose from the spirit of infirmity that has you bent over. When Jesus healed her and she, she was straightened, the Bible says, and the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the priests of the church, they were angry that he would heal someone on Saturday. So they, they, were, they were angry that he would heal someone on Saturday because it didn't fit in with their religious system. It didn't fit in with what they thought, but yet someone got healed. See, God's not asking you to understand everything about him. He's just asking you to believe, to stop running, to stop swerving and to stop resisting. Come to, come to Jesus with a posture of worship. The Pharisees questioned Jesus. Worship at its core is acknowledging who God is and how desperately in need I am of Him. Do you remember Nicodemus? Everybody say Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a, uh, uh, we could say he was a religious scholar in the Bible in John chapter 3, he was very highly educated, had a brilliant mind. But something on the inside of him was awakened when he saw Jesus healing people. When he saw his own religious system, he says, this has no power. I read the books. I read the manuals. I go to the religious synagogue. But I'm, there's something missing. I don't feel the power of God. I don't feel the void on the inside of me satisfied. I, I, don't, I don't feel like I have purpose. And so at nighttime, at nighttime, because he didn't want his friends to see him. Hello. Any, any, any of you like that when you first came to Jesus? You didn't want your friends to know you were a Christian? Some of you still don't want your friends to know you're a Christian. Let them know you're a Christian. Hallelujah. Let them know Jesus has done something in your life. Let them know you're born again. Let them know you go to church Sunday mornings. Come on. Where are you going Sunday? I'm going somewhere with my family. Tell them I'm going to church. 
You, are you one of those? Yes, I'm one of those that's happy. I'm one of those that's born again. I'm one of those that has purpose. So this guy, he didn't want, he didn't want his friends, his, his, the loyal friends, to see him going to talk to Jesus. So he went at nighttime, quietly at night. And he found Jesus, and he starts having a conversation with Jesus. He says, Jesus, I see the miracles that you do. I, there's got to be something about what you're doing that, that, that is for me. And, and, and Jesus begins to talk to him and says, Jesus says in, in John chapter 3, verse 3, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except the man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Verse 4. Nicodemus said, so you have to understand, that, 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 that word that Jesus just spoke to him, it's hard to understand. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean be born again? Born again. So Nicodemus, but listen to this, he didn't walk away saying, that's funny stuff, that's rubbish. Born again, that, what do you mean by that? So he had the guts to ask Jesus a question that made him look like a fool. He said, Jesus, <laughs> this really intelligent man, Jesus, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? How can this be? See, do you notice his question is not to catch Jesus? His question is, explain to me. What is this about being born again? What is this about following Jesus? What is this about the Bible? What is this about putting Jesus first in your life? What is this about Jesus heals the sick? The Pharisees wouldn't ask like that. The Pharisees would ask with spite. The Pharisees would ask not wanting the answer. Nicodemus, he didn't ask this question to put Jesus on the spot. He really wanted to know, I want to be born again. How can I be born again? Are you telling me I've got to go back into my mother's womb? And Jesus begins to explain to him, no, 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 no. I'm talking about being born again in your spirit. Born from the water, hallelujah. Born in your spirit. Your spirit being born again. Coming to life. And then a couple of verses later, John chapter 3, verse 16. Who knows that verse? Everybody knows John 3, 16. See, we think that Jesus said John 3, 16 in front of a multitude. He said it to this one man. He's talking to Nicodemus and he says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. There was no one around but Nicodemus. It's just, it's just you and him. See, when Jesus said to Nicodemus, For God so loved the world, he was saying, you are the world. He was saying, if you were the only person on this earth, I still would have come to die on a cross. Because you are the world. You are the world. He loves you. You are special to him. You are the world. For God so loved the world. And, and, and history tells us that Nicodemus received Jesus into his heart. And he became a follower of Jesus. If you don't understand the beloved church, if you don't understand something about God, ask the question, but with the right attitude. You don't leave the church 
because you don't understand something the pastor said that didn't make sense, you ask. And you ask right. People that have left this church in the past, when they've come to ask, they ask with barbs. Their question is not right. Their question is to try to oppose what we preach, oppose what we do. And I can pick it up immediately when I'm talking, so I don't, I don't, I don't want to sound harsh, but I try not to waste too much time on that because I know no answer that I give them is going to clear it up. Someone leaves. I don't believe in the rapture. They come and ask me. They, I, I can tell the, the sting. that they, If they're asking me that they want to know if there's going to be a rapture, I'll explain it to them because it's in the Bible. It's clear. It's easy to find out. It's so easy that it's funny when people deny it. There's been times that I spent hours with someone, hours, trying to explain them things, trying to correct things in them, and then they didn't want to hear that. And they leave the ways of God. Our posture is important. I don't understand this, God. Can you clear it up? I'm going to continue going to the church. I'm going to continue walking this life. I don't understand it, but I believe it. See, God never told you to understand him. He told you to believe in him. When you sat down on that chair, did you look and see if you could hold your weight? Some of you should have, hallelujah. No, I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. Sorry. When you sit down, you don't go, I wonder who made this chair. I wonder if it's safe for me to sit on. No, you sat on that chair with so much faith that you knew you weren't going to fall. You knew it wasn't going to break. You knew there wasn't a pin there that was going to pinch you. You sat down. And you had faith in that chair. But then when it comes to God, we're like, well, I don't understand. Well, I don't get it. How could the moon and the stars and the sun? I, well, then just believe it. And then, and then, and then just go, come to God and say, God, can you clarify things, God? Come to church with the right posture. I want to hear what the pastor has to say. I want to hear what the Bible has to say. I want to find a mentor, someone that I can sit down with, but not to argue, but to learn. And you watch what God starts to do in your life. You start seeing things and you start, because your spirit comes alive and you start finding purpose. You start seeing the, the, the reality that God exists. You come to him with worship. The ruler made a request in faith. The Pharisees made demands in spite. Do you remember there was a man that had a boy who was demon-possessed? And the demon would throw the boy in the fire. Mark chapter 9 verse 24. And would try to kill this little boy. And Jesus came and, and, the, and the father said to, the, to Jesus, can you heal my boy? Can you heal my boy? See, when you're desperate, you're not asking for explanation. Just can you heal my boy? But listen, God doesn't have to put you in a position where you're between life and death to come to him. Now is the time to come to him. Now is the time to surrender to him. Now is the time to say, God, I'm going to live for you. I'm not going to wait till I need, to, to, I'm not going to wait till there's an incurable disease to start looking for God. Now is the time. And Jesus says, if you can believe, all things are possible to them that believe. And I like what the Father said to Jesus. The Bible says he cried out. Listen to this. He says, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. 
I believe. I believe Jesus, but you know what? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't believe 100%. My boy needs healing. My boy is being, it's got it's suicidal. My boy is being put in the fire. And, and I, I want to believe you can heal him, but I'm going to be honest with you. There's some areas in my life that lack faith to believe that you can heal him. So Lord, help my unbelief. Do you think Jesus says, get away from me, you unbelieving man? Because it was the posture. Help my unbelief. I believe, but there's some areas in my life that find it hard to believe. It's what many people say to me, but pastor, if, if, if God is God, then why do things happen? Then why is there evil? evil because don't forget there's also a devil and don't forget that man has chosen I don't want to go down this path because my time's running out but man has chosen to push God out of society where's God and God's saying where are you it's amazing how people start complaining and criticizing and pointing their finger at God when a tragedy happens when we are trying to take him out of our schools we're trying to take him out of the government we're putting immoral, listen, we're putting laws are being pushed that are so anti-God, that are so anti-Christ, that, that no wonder. Then the society suffers its own consequence of saying we don't want God. And then let, then let me take bring it closer to home. How about the churches that don't want God? How about the churches? They don't want God. Churches, they don't want God. We just want to have a good time. Entertain me. Let me have some fun when I go to church. Make sure you got good coffee. Make sure you have something for my children in the Sunday school, the youth group. I want to have a good time when I go to church. And so for you to have a good time, you don't want to hear much about God. somebody say this morning help my unbelief God I believe but help my unbelief I come to you with with the right posture so God here I am at the end of the day we're just flesh and blood there's no use fighting with God help my unbelief there are many times that I have doubts but I don't run from God I run to God. There's been days that I'm on my face crying to God because there's things going on around me I don't understand. I say, God, help my unbelief. May God help us this morning, church. The ruler was humble before Jesus. The Pharisees were full of pride. Let me close with this. Psalms 34, 18. The Lord is close to them of a broken heart and He saves such as be of a contrite spirit. Proverbs 30, 29 A man's pride shall bring him lower but honour shall uphold the humble in spirit. 
Proverbs 3.34, He gives grace to the humble. The Bible says, the Lord watches the prideful from a distance. If, you're, if we have pride, we have a long distance relationship with God. Because He's far away from the prideful. But to the humble, He comes close. He comes close to the humble. Why do you think there's revival in Africa? Why do you think there's revival in Central and South America? Why do you think the people go to church like with a real... Because they're, they're humble. Here we drive around in nice cars, live in nice houses, have a job, have money in the bank, and that sort of takes away that humble. I'm, I'm a self-made man. I, I did this. Really? How about we stop breathing for five minutes and we realize, I need God. Always stay humble. No matter how much money you have, no, much, no matter no, what kind of clothes you wear, no matter how the position you have in your workplace, no matter, the, no matter the suburb you live in, always say, this, I have it because of my God. God gave me this. I'm here because of God. I'm, I'm living because of God. I work because of God. Because of God. Humble. The Pharisees, Pharisees like convince me convince me explain it to me the ruler here I am God may God help us this morning to have a right attitude before the Lord let's all stand up this morning come on church come on let's worship the Lord let's worship the Lord come to Jesus this morning come to Jesus this morning Come to Him with the right heart. Come to Him with the right posture. Come to Him with the right attitude. Come to Him with the right perspective. Come on, let's worship the Lord. Raise your hands to the heavens, to the God of this universe. And let's humble ourselves before God. And let's ask God to help us where there's no belief. Oh, I'm gonna see let's ask God victory. to help us this morning. I'm gonna see the victory for the battle belongs to you.
Christians are in jails. You know what? They don't have Bibles. You know what they do? They smuggle in verses of the Bible. They smuggle in. And they say, it's your turn this week to have this verse. And they, and they, people have written about it. The one that receives that starts crying and grabs the... word. Never lose the, the sense of excitement when you go to the house of God that you're going to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Never, never lose the awe. When you pray to God, you're praying to God and God is listening. Never lose that sense of I'm talking to God. I'm praying to God. He's God. I am His creation. He is the creator. He's God. I need Him. He doesn't need me. I need Him. I need Him.
issues have hardened you. The Holy Spirit is softening you today. Your heart's being softened. And you make a choice today to believe. To believe. I might not understand it all, but I'm choosing to believe. To go on this journey with God and allow Him to reveal Himself to me. But I'm not going to be prideful anymore. I'm not going to resist anymore. I'm not going to approach God with a sense of pride. I'm going to humble myself to God. And I'm going to be wise. And so Lord, if there's anyone here this morning that needs a revival, I pray right now for a revival in Jesus' name. I pray for an awakening now in Jesus' name. If we've lost the awe of you, if we've lost the amazement of you, if we've lost the splendor of who you are, I pray in Jesus' name that you forgive us and that we come back to our first love, that we come back to a sense of awe about you. And we give you all the praise and we give you all the glory. We thank you for this time that we've had. And let us go out into this week knowing in whom we have believed with our eyes on Jesus. We give you all the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. And the church says amen and amen. Praise God. Give the Lord a clap offering. There you are. God bless you. Have a great day. Have a great week. We'll see you next time. Thank you.